On a special midterm election night edition of Eligible Receivers, the Pac-12 South is too close to call. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. There's no one like him. Eric. Senator Warren, thanks so much for joining us. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. I'm, I want to use like the uh, the Bill Maher new rules music for the intro, I think, this week. You will have already heard it by the time this <laughs> you are listening to these words, but I'm deciding it now. I like it. Yeah, I think that's fun. I like that. Uh, I like that stuff. I, I like it when any I I like it when anybody makes fun of it. If you ever listen to uh, if you ever listen to the show Comedy Bang Bang, it's like a podcast. They got a guy Paul Rust does like his take on that. Uh, those are called new no nos. I recommend YouTubing those. They're excellent. I will do just that. All right. Uh, so let's start. So first first on the uh, agenda, last week's Pac-12 action. We started off on Friday night in the desert, where Colorado traveled to Arizona, and. Here's the deal, dude. I, I got to come clean. I talked some shit on Khalil Tate earlier this year because he was so he was transcendent last year running the football, an unstoppable force. And then, in the you know, we were like, they got off to a bad start this year under Kevin Sumlin. And he had talked about how he didn't want Navy's coach because he didn't want to be a triple option quarterback. And I was firmly in the camp that he would be an all-time great triple option quarterback. Against Colorado in this game, which Arizona wins, 42-34. to 34. Khalil Tate, 17 of 22. For his 17 completions, 350 yards through the air and five touchdowns. Unplayable. He's unplayable. If he gets his foot healthy and can learn how to run again, that's he's like a he's like all of a sudden he's like a legitimate NFL prospect. And some of those throws were dimes too, like particularly one of the touchdowns where he like threw a comebacker to a receiver, he like got flushed out of the pocket going to the right. Um, he, he, I, I'm with you, man. He, you know, it's, it's someone's first year. And so Arizona's looked really awkward at times and, but they also look, you know, like pretty good at times. And I, you know, I was looking at the, uh, Texas A&M right now, they're five and four, which is exactly where they were last year. Only they're paying, you know, Jimbo Fisher, whatever. And Arizona isn't that far away from, you know, being, you know, like a decent team coming out of the South with, with how messed up it is. So, uh, you know, you I, props to Kevin, someone for getting that going and Khalil Tate. And then on the, on the flip side, Colorado, man, they are a mess. Like they looked like, you know, kind of sneaky competent earlier in the year. And now they, what, what's going on down there? They're not any good. Well, I'll tell you what, Colorado was the last undefeated team in the PAC 12, I believe. Uh, and they have now lost, their last four games, uh, they had that tough stretch where they had to go at, at USC, at Washington, drop both of those, then dropped the shocker at home uh, two weeks ago against Oregon State where they blew a 31-3 to lead. And then they lose a game uh, where Khalil Tate's just the best player on the field, and I guess that'll happen. It was on the road at Arizona. But now, I mean, they are, you know, they still only need one of three, uh, but the next three are home against Washington State, uh, home against Utah, and then at Cal. I mean, I give them a good bet to get one of those, and I think they have a shot in any one of those games. But uh, it's you know, it, it, you know, they were five and zero, and like bowl eligibility looked like a foregone conclusion, and now it's a struggle. 
Yeah, it's a ups and down season for them for sure. So I'll, I'll give it up. I'll give it up to Quill Tate. I was wrong, man. I'm sorry. Uh, next up, let's take uh, Arizona State, the Fighting Herms, against the class of the Pac-12 South, the Utah Utes. Utah Utes who have been throwing up 40 points on everybody, looking like by far the best team in that division. And Herm, dude, you leave Herm for dead. Then he comes back, he beats USC at USC. And then he beats 16th or 15th ranked Utah at home and beats him handily, you know? And then all of a sudden, the Fighting Herms now sitting on five wins. And they are home against UCLA at Oregon at Arizona to finish the year. They need only one more win to get to bowl eligibility, which I would say be a screaming success for them. Another team going into the season were uh, quite, you know, quite the joke of uh, many uh, folks, including uh, a few barbs from us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they, I mean, they, they, and they look like an NFL outfit to me in terms of just like how they run their offense and defense. It just looks, it just looks buttoned up. You know, they, they got Eno Benjamin, you know, cruising now, and Nikhil Harry is just—I mean—he's got to be the best receiver in the country, right? Like, is there a better—is there a better physical specimen of a receiver than Nikhil Harry anywhere? Yeah, he, what's good about him is like, who knows how? It's, like, you can say that this guy is going to be a, an extremely serviceable NFL receiver, but this is like the guy you get at college, which you get every now and then, where he's—he's he's a man, you know. Like he's he's it's like an adult man, seven year NFL veteran is out there on the field, and people you just can't deal with him. If yeah. you know, like these kids can't deal with him. He's he's too big, man. He's he's such a physical mismatch against whatever member of whichever secondary he's playing that it's it's almost unfair. And he makes some crazy catches on top of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's that's always fun. That's one of the fun things about college football is that like. Every now and then, you know, or, you know, every year there's a couple guys that are just like too good for the level, you know, as elite as it is. You know, these are all insane athletes on both sides of the ball in every major conference football game. But still, even with that, sometimes there's just there's just some men out there who are just too much. Yep. At the same time, Utah, Utah, uh, what happens? I mean, now they got uh, Tyler Huntley, I believe, is injured, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, let's, I th- I think like potentially threatening his season and Jack Tuttle, their big uh, quarterback signee this year, I think had already announced he was going to transfer. So now uh, Utah is going to be turning to redshirt freshman Jason Shelley. He's not going to transfer back into Utah and <laughs> be the starter? Yeah, I just stay. I mean, it's not like you probably quit classes. Yeah, I'd just be like, I'm transferring into the starting lineup. Yeah, I'm transferring. Yeah, I want to get right back in the mix here because, yeah, because I can still play the rest of the season probably and not sacrifice a, a year of eligibility based on the new rules, you know? Yeah, get those reps. Yeah. All righty. Um, then what's next? Uh, we got UCLA and Oregon. Chip Kelly's big return and Chip Kelly was faded before the game. Uh, uh, for the astonishing success he had while he was the coach at Oregon. They played the game. Oregon uh, took care of business on this one. Big bounce back for them because they really got embarrassed the week before at Arizona. Oregon, 42-21 to 21 winners. Yeah, I mean, and this is a, I mean, look, Chip Kelly, everyone knows how great of a coach he was at Oregon and all that, but he, he doesn't have the horses right now, you know, to compete with a, a, a decent Oregon squad. Now, here's a question for you. Uh, 
So the Pac-12 South, uh, there are a couple scenarios that are, you know, however unlikely that play out where all the teams finish with the same divisional record. Yeah. And I don't know if it's possible for UCLA to win the tie breaks they need to win, but let's just say there's a scenario under which UCLA could finish with the best divisional record in the Pac-12 South. Is the winner of the conference championship game, like get an automatic berth to one of the big New Year's six games? And if I think so, Rose Bowl, sir. And <laughs> is if, where you're going. Huh? The Rose Bowl. So, but what, what if, has this scenario been gamed out? What if yeah, that team no, is not bowl eligible? I've seen it on Twitter. They would need a waiver to be eligible to go to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> on their own campus. Yeah. Well, an hour, an hour from the campus. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their, their technical home field. Uh, but yeah, anyway, that's that's fun to think about uh, and reflective of how garbage the Pac-12 South is, uh, as always. USC uh you know beneficiaries i'd say of everybody else tripping on their own dicks in the pac-12 south usc goes up to corvallis a house of horrors for them over the years uh they survive a little bit of a scare oregon state got it to within a touchdown into the fourth quarter but uh usc puts the game away 38 to 21 winners yeah i mean usc has had some shocking losses in corvallis over the years and this year certainly isn't anything to write home about for them so um I guess in the Clay Helton era where things currently stand, you have to say this is a good win for them. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, like, if you're a person who uh, values USC mediocrity as any of the other power teams in the conference ought to, because it's easier to win when you don't have to deal with a fully functioning USC, you want USC to kind of finish out strong here. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Get some job security. And, I mean, I still think Oregon State, uh, honestly, this is a, you know, their their bar is so low this season, and they had accomplished what they needed to accomplish by beating Colorado, uh, that the fact that they still show up and make a game of it against a USC team where they are outmanned, uh, it's still, I mean, it's, it's just all positive for them. It's nice yeah, to be I coming agree. from nothing, you know? Yep, and, they, and they'll, they'll be able to play, you know, Oregon tough. So I think – the win at Colorado and then, you know, a good showing in that game and Oregon State, you know, pack up shop and start recruiting. Like the Democrats on election night right now. Really, anything is a vast improvement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, any any result, <laughs> anything yeah. colorably positive is a dramatic improvement. Uh, yep. Yeah. And then so let's go Washington State against California. Good game. Close game, low scoring game. Uh, Cal, I don't know, man. I mean, they, I mean, they scored what they scored the week before against Washington, but it wasn't good enough because the Cougs managed to cobble together 19 points, including a big winning touchdown drive there at the end from Gardner Minshew. Throws the big touchdown. Washington State wins 19 to 13. I mean, Cal's got a a very good defense, and they on offense just. I don't know why they, they play the multiple quarterback sets they did you. I don't I don't get it. They have a decent quarterback in Garbers. Um I don't understand why that guy just isn't under center all the time. I don't get it. 
it defies explanation and uh, frankly it's a mark against bo baldwin like i don't know you know obviously we're not in the room we don't know what they think what what the good version of whatever it is they're trying to do right now but the fact that they keep this McElwain guy in there on downs when they're trying to throw the football it's not like this is not khalil tate you know this is a guy who's like a, a an okay runner you know like maybe like above average but he's not a world beater by any means and he is deficient throwing the ball compared to Garbers. And I, I still, now I refuse to look into this, but I still haven't gotten a uh, uh, sufficient answer as to what happened to Bowers. Yeah. <laughs> no, is he still alive? Like, is he there? Like, I was looking at the thing. He started the first game of the year for them, and then something happened. Yeah, I don't know. Then they decided to go a different way. But, I mean, like, you know, this has gone from, like, you know, why why are they playing McIlwain? Why are they doing this with their thing? And now and now it's like almost to the point where like you say, well, hell, their defense seems like they're good enough that they ought to be doing a lot better than two and four in the conference, you know? Their defense yeah, looks I, to be I, one of like it, a top three defense in the conference, if not the best one. Yeah, I think they just they're so deficient on offense. And I mean, on the flip side of this, as you said, good for WSU. WSU's had a lot of really high energy, high emotion games and the, in the, you know, it's good to get a scrappy win, I think for them, you know, to be honest. And yeah, I, I can't answer what's going on with why Cal is where they're at. Um, but uh, you know, WSU good for them. Um, as a, a brief aside, your Washington Huskies just went to one to know being Western Kentucky by 18 points. Eat shit. Hell toppers. Uh, Here's here. I have a couple takes actually after this Washington State game. Yeah, it's here. Take take the first. Uh, good news if you're a Washington fan because it shows that the Washington plan against Washington State uh, still stymies them. That's what I'm saying. Is that Wilcox learned whatever he learned from how to shut down the Cougs uh and was able to do the same thing with a new group of players and shut them down i got i i have to assume that's washington state's lowest scoring output of the season i i'll say it is without no factual background whatsoever they scored other than that uh 28 against utah in a win and then they've been above 30 in every other game and plenty of times over 40 so yeah, yeah. So, uh, so if, if you're a Washington fan, I say you got you say that well, they can be stopped, and they can be stopped by somebody who knows the Washington way to stop Washington State, which has been pretty fruitful over. I think it's been since 2012, right? Since we lost to them. Yeah. So that's good. Two. Here's the other thing I want to say about this game, and this and this is the more important point to my mind. Uh. What people need to quit fucking around with this air raid, you know, and stop saying that like, oh, oh, it only needs to be at certain schools. Uh, you know, like you know, schools that aren't really competing for a national title, because I look at the top ten of the college football playoff rankings right now, and I see West Virginia at nine that runs an air raid. They have a you know, Holgerson's an air raid coach. I see Washington State at number eight, who's an air raid coach. I see Oklahoma, which runs air raid concepts, at number six. I see uh, Alabama, which has turned into the Death Star this year by incorporating air raid spread things into their offense, so much so that their quarterback, I think this last week, they're sitting at 9-0, and played in the fourth quarter of a game for the first time. You know? Like, uh, 
and here's what I'm thinking. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck Tennessee is doing this season. I'm going to look it up right now. Not much. They had the opportunity to uh, hire Mike Leach, right? Yeah. They, Mike Leach went there. He interviewed. He wanted to be there. Tennessee is one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four. They're four and five right now. Okay. Uh, in the conference with three, you know, so they got to win two out of three and they have a chance to get bowl eligible in this thing. But they're like among the schools that thinks like, well, we can't have Mike Leach here because we're not going to be sitting here running this Mickey Mouse offense. You know, Yeah. Here's, this is the offense that works. Okay. Like it's not dependent on you. Like you're a fool to run any other kind of offense to my mind, because if you're running any other kind of offense, right, you're dependent on getting superlative line talent, superlative uh, backs who can get the ball rather than just the thing, which apparently, as far as I've ever seen, appears to be plug and play because you can take the kids you can get at Lubbock, Texas at like everybody's seventh choice, big 12 school and be a consistently bowl eligible team. Or you can get a Washington state team that you couldn't have been in more dire circumstances than they were when they hired Mike Leach. And all of a sudden it doesn't matter who their quarterback is come November. They're in the mix for the division title. So like, wouldn't you just say that there's enough of a record at this point that we could try this at more of a blue blood program that has a shot at getting more prestigious recruits and like, see what happens. No, I, I, you, I think it's dumb to do anything else. Like, I, th- I think, like, Tennessee is retarded for not hiring Mike Leach. They want to be Alabama, right? They want to hire somebody in and get, you know, and, you know, and, like, get back to a team that, you know, has their elite running backs and elite linemen and elite quarterbacks and stuff like that. Get something that doesn't need that. <laughs> it, it'll yeah, save, I mean, it'll you save you a lot of heartache. <laughs> You can say the same thing about the triple option, though, right? Like, you know, if you run that right, it's hard to defend. And nobody's doing that either. So. Well, people stop doing that because it stops working, you know? I'm just saying that I haven't seen – and I'm sure that people – if everybody starts running air raid, like what happened with Oregon, like people just catch up to a team that, you know, is relying on zone read or something like that. But I'm just saying I would like to, I would like to drive a stake through the heart of the idea – that that's some kind of Mickey Mouse offense that teams shouldn't be that the only teams that should be running it are teams that are like natural competitive disadvantages because they're not getting uh, elite 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 recruits. I think like if you got elite 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 recruits, I think the it can only make the good thing better. That's I don't know I don't know that we're ever gonna find that out. That isn't that astonishing <laughs> because. Like, I mean, do you disagree with me that this appears to be having great success? The the nation over. Um well yeah, a little bit. I think I think you're getting carried away. I'm not gonna you're... carry your way. I'm right. Alabama, you're basically Alabama learned how to pass the ball this year, and you're like, Alabama is incorporating the air raid. Not they're not, they're running like pass plays, which they haven't done in the past like four or five years and still won national championships. But they just have a quarterback now who can throw the ball, you know, which is helpful. Yeah. Um, that's not the air raid, and that's and that's not what they're doing. Um, I I don't know, man. We'll see. It, you know, WSU has played one really good defense every year for the last four or five years, and it's completely stymied their offense. Um, 
And they, you know, they keep winning. They'll get a chance to play another one, you know, and they may get into the playoff and we'll get to see. But um, I, I, I still think you have to run the ball consistently to win, to win in college football. And that's, and I think that that means that there's only like six programs that are realistic national championship contenders every year. That's what I think. I think, I mean, I think like part, part of the reason uh, WSU has success because when it gets to fourth down, when it gets to short yardage situations, I, I'll put it the other way. Is that like, I think people fail in those scenarios normally where they're having to pass on like a fourth and sixth when they need it late in the game, because it's not something that they're comfortable doing. Right. And with mm-hmm. Washington state throwing the ball and getting six yards, it's like, who gives a shit? That's all they ever do. You know, like they're, they're yeah. completely unfazed by that because it's so drilled into them that it's, it's just another play, you know, like they're like that. It's crazy that there was no drop off from uh, Connor Halliday, who put up insane numbers to Luke Falk to when they would take Luke Falk out of games last year and Tyler Holinsky RIP would get in there and it would, and it would look the same, you know? And then you get this year, you get Gardner Minshew uh, and he's just doing the same things that have been going on there the entire time. I, yeah, I hear you, man. They got to win a big bowl game. They got to. They got to do something. They got before I'm going to buy into this. But they have to. But I'm saying they, they, they have their own set of baggage that might preclude that from happening. But to me, that doesn't make the offense like it's like, uh, it's you know like, to me, it's like saying this will never work. But you're never going to try it at any of the schools that it might work at because it's never worked before. To the extent those you know like what do you need to see, if you're Tennessee. Oh, I, I totally agree with you that Tennessee should try it. I just don't know that I agree out of the gates that it's going to be that, you know, Alabama's defense would have any trouble with it. I think Alabama's defense would potentially bring four, get tons of pressure, drop seven, and you're not going to have anywhere to throw the ball. And so the air raid is going to get, you know, pretty stuck. If you get exactly- a, a stubborn air raid coach at Tennessee – uh, they, and I say stubborn because from the second he's there and the second he loses it all, people are going to start be yelling at him saying he needs to run the ball. But a guy who just doesn't care, they win an SEC title within four years. I mean, has WSU won a Pac-12 title since he's been there? Tennessee gets a better degree of recruit than Washington State does. Yeah, but Tennessee's also competing against LSU, Georgia, and Alabama. I mean, that's a that's a totally different – a totally different set of circumstances than what it would take for WSU to win, you know, like the Pac-12 this year. Unprovable. Unprovable. All I have to do to not lose this argument is not concede, and I don't. All right. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, Washington uh, hosted Stanford. Uh, uh, and a game where Washington jumps out to a 21-0 lead at halftime and then fritters it away in the second half, but managed to get a couple field goals and win 27 to 23 Washington Huskies win against Stanford. Uh, how bad, how mad can you ever be at beating Stanford? Pretty mad. I mean, I was pretty upset. Um, I mean, very consistent at least in like winning in the least satisfactory manner possible. <laughs> so, like, it's true. That's what they do, man. They win in a way that you feel like you lost. Yeah. But, you know, I was thinking about that, too. But you know what? If you like, look, like, uh, you know, like, because I agree with you. The vibe around the Washington Huskies is dog shit, you know? Like, but really, there's only one team that would trade with us, you know, that we'd trade with, maybe, maybe, 
the, in terms of results this year. And that's Washington state because they only have the one loss, but everybody else is have like, we have the second best record in the conference and we play the team with the best record, you know, like this, this is still has every opportunity to be the best team in this conference. But it, I mean, it has been joyless, but it's not, yeah. you know, it could be worse, I guess. <laughs> and with that, we move on. <laughs> Could right. be worse. No, that's what I, I think about it. You know that's what I mean? I mean that, I, it's like, there's no way to say it better than that. It could but, be worse. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it could. Yeah, I mean, it very clearly could be worse. You know, we could have lost more of these games, but like, you know, we're five and two in the conference. We got a shot to win the conference outright. You know, and end up going to a Pac-12 title game where we have to play like, uh, you know, Arizona you State or some shit. You know, <laughs> like, like what is this? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Alrighty. Uh, so how how we doing picks last week? I did bad again. Yeah, we didn't do great. I went three and three, and you and Dirty Worm friend friend of the pod both went two and four. That brings our season totals. I'm at forty four twenty seven and one. You are at thirty eight thirty three and one, and Dirty Worm is at forty two twenty nine and one. God damn it! I'm just adrift. Uh, well, let's try and get it all back by trying to make the wrong pick six times and hitting on two of them. Um, started off off on Saturday, no Friday, no Thursday games this week, which is good. Arizona state hosts UCLA. The line is Arizona state minus 12 and a half. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I think Arizona State is 12 and a half points better than UCLA, but everybody else is really struggling in the desert right now. And I think this gets Herm to bowl eligibility. Um, but I say no on the 12 and a half points. I say Arizona State wins this game by 10, and I'm taking the Bruins. I'm just trying to get a game back. I was ready to pick UCLA there, but I'll take Arizona State. It's concerning to me. Well, no, I mean that ought to make you feel good. I haven't been. No, we're going to take the Bruins. That's what that's what's worrying to me. Is that I was kind of like. So then, uh, next up, we got Washington State, the mighty mighty Cougs, traveling to Colorado. Cougs are six point favorites against Colorado team that has lost four in a row. I like, let, let me let me stop and against Colorado team that was just breaking my heart breaking my heart I pick them every week and they never do anything but I say this trap game trap game Colorado I love it I, I'm taking the Cougs man they I think their offense will score too many points for Colorado to keep up and I think Colorado's woes continue here's my theory on this is that like nobody you know uh the weight of success hangs heaviest on a Pullman shoulder, you know, that's, that's yeah, phrase. I'm yeah. trying to like, <laughs> that was kind of a poorly part. I was going for something there. Uh, but I kind of stand by it. Is that like, you know, just when you think everything's fine in Cougarville, that's when you got to be like the most worried. Yeah, that is a good point. But I, I think that's, that's later in the season for him. I don't think it's this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I, I like them to drop one of their games ahead of the apple cup. So I'm going to pick against them this week. And if they win, then I'm going to pick against them again. Okay. That's my theory on that. Uh, next up, let's take uh, Utah hosting Oregon. Utah are three-point favorites. And I don't understand there are three-point favorites in this game without a quarterback. But it's not like their quarterback was that great. 
I don't really know anything about this Jason Shelley guy, but I got to say, if they're bringing out a redshirt freshman, I guess, I mean, I'm going to take Oregon in the points here. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I don't see how there's a line in this game if we don't know. I mean, maybe I guess we do know that Utah is like for sure starting this redshirt freshman, which should be alarming. Um, I, I, mm, I'm not sure Oregon, Utah is a tough place to play. They're not a Oregon's not a great road program. I mean, they got crushed when they went down to Arizona. Crushed. Yeah, and they That's didn't the look truth. good. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the Utes here. All righty. So then let's get down to the farm where Stanford licking their wounds a little bit after losing uh, Washington. Kind of fell too far behind. Had some injury trouble in that game. I'm not sure what the status of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside was. I know he got carted off in the Washington game. Uh, to me, this line is absurd. It's not showing yeah. on ESPN right now, but you had it as 24 points? I got that off CBS earlier. Maybe, I mean, check that. Maybe. Well, to, to the extent that's the case, that's the one we'll go by. And uh, with that, I'll take Oregon State. Yeah, I mean. I'll check, but yeah, I, I can't. If I couldn't losing, believe like, that. One of their good players, and Oregon State has looked plucky, and Stanford's not like the you know world's biggest scoring team. Then, uh, you know, and like, you know, Bryce Love looked a little banged up against Washington. They had saved him to make sure he could play a little bit in that game, and he looked like kind of alternately good and alternately like he shouldn't have been on the field. You know, uh, yeah. So I I kind of figured that this if. You know, like to me, it's like one of those games where if they're up 10, then they'll just kind of use their good players that are hurt sparingly and kind of coast home to a win. But Stanford by 24 is just a lot. That's what it says. Stanford minus 24. Yeah, I don't agree with that. Uh, USC and Cal. USC are five and a half point favorites in this game. Uh, to my terrible picking eyes, uh, the wrong team is favored. And I'll take Cal in the points. I'll take USC. Ooh. Well, you're a gentleman. Thank you for giving me an opportunity here. No problem. I think Cal is, is not very good. Um, their defense is all right, but I mean, I think USC is going to be able to score 25 points on them. And I don't, I don't see Cal scoring more than 19 points on USC's defense. Yeah, but I don't see. Do you think Cal, you think USC is going to score 24 points? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I got Cal's. Cal's been putting the clamps down on good teams. Is it still Jack Sears or is it JT Daniels? Or does it not matter? Couldn't tell you. It doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. Okay. I don't care at all. Yeah. I guess who cares at the end of the day? Uh, So, uh, no Huskies this week. They're on a bye week. That's a nice thing for them. Hopefully, get some guys healthy. Maybe Trey Adams coming back. Yeah, maybe he's announced today that he's coming back for a fifth year next year, so that's nice. Yeah, to, if he's able to play, that'd be yeah. nice. Yeah, I mean, he stands on the sideline like a champ, so. Yeah, but, like, I, I think I had seen in that article that even if he uh, he'd st- he could, I guess that redshirt rule applies to medical redshirts also. And yeah. so, like, he could theoretically play in another, like, three or four games this year without and still be able to come back next year. Which is nice because Washington may have four games left if they win out. Yeah. All right. I'll take it. All right. So that does it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers. For Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Hey, you. We got you.
Come on.